Maciej. How are you today? Hey, not too bad. I'm looking forward to our, um, our podcast. Why don't you tell a few words about yourself and then maybe I will introduce myself a little bit so everybody knows what kind of business we are in. Yeah, um, I'm Maciek and I've been running around the world, um, launching companies, growing companies in consumer businesses. And we kind of always joke that we pivoted before the term officially existed. So I'm really happy to be joining you here today, Eric. Yeah, uh, myself involved um, in collaboration between big brands, big global brands and startups, as well as building startup for and with big brands, meaning I usually work with large companies, international ones, and help them to bring a speed of startups into the corporate world. So that's what is my history. And uh, today we'd be very happy to, if we can have a conversation regarding um, digital venturing as well as startups. Um, the big reason for uh, huge companies uh, today is frustration, we think, that might, they might experience um, with the innovations, you know, being born or being accelerated internally. So um, let's dig yeah. into that a little bit and see if we are right that there is a frustration and what the big companies are actually doing around that. Yeah, let's I think let's I think open with um, getting it out of our systems and to kind of pick interest of um, of the listeners because my my belief and my view is that innovation has mostly degenerated into you know innovation theater you know as it were an award ceremony so you have this gray old men and women being crowned for the for the lifetime achievements rather mm -hmm. than actually getting things done mm -hmm. you know how about that is that your experience as well well uh, i might mention uh, um, my last conversation here in the united states with uh, people managing a, a huge uh, accelerator slash you know mentorship programs and they say that there's a lot of buzz around it but hardly ever they can notice any results so <laughs> from that perspective mm. i might I might say that's that's something. There is something in it that uh, there's a lot of you know noise, but uh, you need to work hard to find the real cases, interesting business cases. Um, so yes, that sounds like it is a thing. I think I think also um, companies are the big companies are lethargic and asleep at the wheel and there might be a reason for this you know I was recently talking to a chief executive and he said that yeah I would like to shake the tree a little but not too hard because I don't mm -hmm. want to upset too many people and then without guaranteed outcome I just don't want to see my um, lose my job so there's a real risk and then second thing I learned is that you know, startups are very good at finding the new products and answering the new needs, whereas the corporations are a lot better in executing the existing business model and being really, really efficient about doing so. So there's two are really two different organisms. Mm -hmm. And the problem has historically been whether you can have one inside the other um, or on the outside, really. Are they, are they compatible? So we could explore that today as well. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it's a question like we can see while you're reading uh, magazines, journals, business journals, or just a regular everyday news that there's a question about you should think as a big brand, big company, it's it, about there's going to be one day that somebody is going to disrupt you. So you better yeah. disrupt them. The yourself and the market before somebody do a harm to you and it seems like startups are one of the big force big big reasons a big reason a large company uh, large companies can feel like uh, threatened by uh, outsource uh, outside world forces which make those big brands think well maybe we should do something about it so the question is why it's that yeah, I think I think totally a very um, a very valid question, and and to this, what what we very often see is that innovation has this nasty way of you know coming out of the left field, because it starts very slow and typically answers just one very niche need of a customer. Big corporations are just not able to see that, mm -hmm. and when they see that. The, the startup's volume and the, the velocity is, is big, that it's so big that it cannot be started. And, you know, once you're featured in the CB Insights newsletter, you already have been disrupted, so it's too late to react to that. So I think a lot of that has to be a process yeah. where you actively prevent being disrupted. And I think we could really borrow as a corporation, we could really borrow some of the startup speed to basically um, act faster, uh, innovate faster, fail faster, and embrace the failure and move on. Well, yeah, but that's as far as I'm a big fan of uh, innovation and bringing a startup speed to the corporate world, I always, uh, I'm very often, um, I'm very often exposed to that situation, but we're large companies, corporations, they need to protect their shareholders' value, right? And too much risk, yeah. too much, uh, you know, innovations which are not market-proofed yet, uh, too many different business models under one roof. That's something which is usually considered as too risky um, for protecting that, that value, that shareholder value. So um, the question is, Large companies are are they great great at making incremental changes, and that's their business to do something step by step, step slowly by steadily. Or it's a game of pivoting and making like a, you know that kind of unpopular moves, which seems to be unpopular at the beginning. At the beginning, but then it turns out they were necessary to move the needle. So the question is um, from the you know, protecting shareholders' value. Should we? Word. Yeah. Word. Should we worry? Yeah, we were working like a step by step, incrementally, or we should take those few big bets and expecting a home run to come. Yeah, um, I believe that there's a there's a there's a fundamental problem for a corporation to take a massive, massively bold step on the inside, right? Because 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 you mentioned they're pretty good at from going from you know, yeah. 100 to 101 or 1,000 to 1,001, which is an incremental small gain. Mm -hmm. And I see a couple of reasons for the, the, the business inability to innovate. And for one, 
think about the whole outsourcing trend. So the big companies outsource the customer voice. So they're not really very close. They listen to the customer and they're looking at a lot of numbers. They have research agencies doing stuff for them and then coming back with a PowerPoint deck. Whereas startups are continually listening in to the customer by being in the front row. So I think there's a couple of components missing in the big organizations to tune in um, to, the, to the customer voice. What else is also, um, I think what's key is the, is the lack of a formal reward system that would tell the executives uh, to embrace more risk. So uh -huh. on the one hand, companies are saying, we just want to embrace innovation and they turn it into a theater. Whereas on the other hand, there are lacking formal systems to embrace innovation and to reward people for taking the risk. Um, so I think there is a fundamental strategic misalignment there. Well, that's why failing fast is so hard, right? Because when you are a startup, you some kind of designed to fail quickly because that's how you protect your shareholders value, which is uh, venture capitals. Failing fast means that you don't go to a wrong direction. Um, you don't oh, you reverse very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, if you went to the, you know, uh, blind, you took a blind direction, then you can come back always. And the VCs, they will not be happy that you didn't discover the right way, but they will, they, they definitely are happy because you protect their capital. So they will not, they don't, they stop, you stop, you just actually gave them a reason to stop investing in this direction. But you, as an entrepreneur, you always, you also have a new direction to go and test, which is so natural for startups. But when it comes to large companies, um, in, it's not so clear. As you go one direction and they have your one year budgeting or half year budgeting, budgeting, so you have that comfort of the budget and um, failing fast is hardly even an op option because it's so so hard to change that direction. A big company from budget perspective, internal politics. You have to admit that you fail, but you have another try. And at the same time, you Absolutely. have to adjust new, you know, align new resources. You have to change the project. You have to accept the new project, which makes a lot of pain to everybody, which failing fast, it's harder. That's what I can see and notice in the large companies in those big brands structures than it is in startups work. Well, it's also, I think, protecting you if you're a big company is the whole idea of a market share, right? If you're a big company and you failed, you might lose a percentage point on the market share. That's probably not the end of the world. But whereas if you're a startup and your market share is absolutely either 100% of one customer or 0% of 100 customers, depending, you know, which way you look at your market, then there is no metric to kind of fall back against. And your only metric, the innovation metric, is your ability to move things around and turn things around quickly. So I think this really brings, them to, brings us on to another idea of how you measure innovation, which I think maybe is a subject for a totally um, a different podcast. Mm -hmm. But I think big corporations, because they're not designed to experiment, they also lack the measurement um, in place to reward people and to track their innovation record. 
And then, you know, and, and on the other hand, you, what, I, what I'm really fascinated with startups, and one of the reasons is that they're so ruthlessly good about doing one thing so well. And that probably comes from a very limited resource. Because if your resource is only 100, then you can probably only be, um, you know, one feature reach startup, right? Whereas compared to a big organization, which has a multitude of conflicting um, ideas and, and priorities. Mm-hmm. So, you know, think about, think about Sunrise Calendar, right? You yeah. still you remember that? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a great case. That was always a question. Well, excuse me, a Microsoft guys, they couldn't invent the calendar. They have to acquire that for what? Like, what was the price? A hundred million? Yeah. In a hundred days, yeah. So I'm sorry, like, uh, I am Microsoft, hello. I can, I can develop anything I want. I have a whole bunch of smart guys working for me. And uh, then we cannot invent the calendar. And the Sunrise calendar, um, uh, if you remember, that was not the, the, the big change in the calendar. That was like if one feature that made it so popular, right? Yeah, it's funny because I, I think it took them 100 days to develop a product for which then Microsoft paid a cool 100 million. And, and then again, I think part of the reason they were so successful was coming from this total customer obsession, right? They, they, they looked up close what the pain points, pains and gains are, and they said, well, we need the calendar for the mobile age. And if you try to operate um, whatever other calendar on your mobile phone, it just didn't work. You didn't have the real estate to, um, to have a clone of a standalone desktop app on your mobile. And that's just one feature Sunrise so well executed, right? Right, exactly. From many states' point of view, like from a, uh, experience, from a user interface, uh, from every aspect of the of the feature that was actually great, but that was what I want to say is like it was uh, started uh, with the customer in the center of that, right? So they first of all they started as a newsletter, um, p- providing like a calendar features over website. They checked what people like, what they use, what they don't use. Big brands they usually don't do that. They usually release the product and they. They have, they have already established uh, channels, distribution channels. Either it's a website, there's a shipment, either it's Amazon, whatever it is the channel is, and they ship it to customers. But Sunrise was kind of opposite. That was a startup way um, of, pro, of releasing product. They start small with the small number of features close to customers, and that's how they develop the, the, the great app, meaning great feature, actually. So that's probably make it so hard for big companies um, to follow that path. But that's also how there is this exciting interplay between a small team. Because if you can build a calendar app with a a micro team of three to five people backed Mm -hmm. by a strong idea built around one cool feature, then this means that there is a growth trajectory available for you if you work with a big company and right so that's an exciting why it's so exciting to be developing those little and um, razor sharp um, products and on the other hand that might prove a point we might just say that you know building building a product is easy building a right product is pretty hard but then building the right and new product in a big company as well it's isn't it's, it's impossible 
And that's not only sunrise calendar. We have other, uh, we have other uh, proofs of that. You know, um, there is this, uh, this Astro email now on Slack. You know, Slack is now sort of the Microsoft of, um, of yeah. um, office communications. And these things, it, 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 it happens, you know, it keeps repeating. It seems like it's, it's um, we know that uh, one of the startups, uh, one of the was startups, good startups, uh, have is agility. So they, they are able to uh, move fast, stay lean as fast as, as long as possible, and be agile, meaning that they can quickly switch teams, hire new resources, release unnecessary resources, rec uh, re um, uh, you know, we organize cost structure, which is also agility, meaning that they are able to adjust quickly, which from evolution point of view, it's something critical if you want to make a change, right? So uh, Absolutely. it looks like Slack, it's, it might be losing it because, uh, again, we can ask a question, are the Slack guys not able to develop email app? And they just, that's what you said, acquired Astro Email a couple months ago because they want to dominate um, messaging, you know, area messaging industry, if there is even a messaging industry there. But they want to dominate that. So the missing piece for them was a good email. And Astro Email, I personally used that app for a couple of weeks. It was a great feature uh, based uh, email. And they also were communicated to users that there is a great roadmap. So they, were, they, they, they kept shipping new features quite often. Every time, every couple of days, when you log into an app store for the new app, there's always a new Astro email waiting with a new set of feature or bag. Or and I, think, I, think, I think sometime in 2017, so last year, they had this new development which made the integration with Slack a lot easier. And this was yeah. how they came with exactly. the computational pool of Slack. And Slack said, oh, hang on, we need you. Right. And we're buying you to phase you out. Yeah, well, um, what, what Slack did, they just shut them down. So uh, I'm sorry, everybody, uh, Astro email users, including myself, had to say bye-bye to the app. But... Yeah, that's what's happening. And that's why startups are so interesting, you know, meal for the big guys um, because of many different reasons. But that's, it looks like to me, Maciek, that only startups can develop that kind of speed, agility, and uh, being le and leanness in, in, in nowadays business. Yeah, yeah, I think two comments on that. Because if, you, if you're a company, then you measure time and money. You kind of, you know, next to a five, ten million dollars next quarter, uh, et cetera, et cetera. If you're a startup, you measure your time in days. So it's not about yeah. millions, it's about your runway time, which is, which is nearly seconds or minutes. Yeah. Or days I, at maximum. So, you know, yeah. 100 days. Yeah. It's yeah. in evolutionary terms, you know, yeah. it's the whole world was, startup. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I, once I had a discussion with the chief executive officer of a huge retail in Europe. And he said, I understand now that what is weeks for you, uh, it's quarters to us, right? So whenever you have a two-week sprint um, in startup, it's about uh, two quarters <laughs> on a corporate yeah. side. So that's, that's what, that might be one of the, that might be an interesting source of anything what happens afterwards. That's very true. So maybe the idea to um, 
you know what what you can what you can learn from startup about innovation is and disruption is not so much of having you know two things having the simplicity and ruthless execution that's one thing so mm -hmm. a product idea one razor sharp focus and then second is time putting things to market to test real quick with that within 100 days in three months rather than two years what i recently read um that it takes an average company around two years to put a new product to market you know in startup terms that's two generations oh yeah oh yeah and that's definitely true it's like i had a discussion with the uh some vice president of a huge uh, consumer goods company and he said that from the idea of the new shampoo to have it on a on a on a in the stores it's it's about two and a half year including packaging designing and, and the and the thing is it's not a problem with the formula it's not a problem with the shampoo itself uh, because the the smell of it, the the substance that's everybody everything is already discovered in laboratories. Most of the time, yeah. it's like designing what should be a packaging, uh, what should be a branding, what should be a, a kind of you know claim on that, so people will look at it. How we should position that on the market? So everything what it comes with marketing, it takes two years. Uh, including distribution across different countries, because I'm talking here so, about big brand. So those, are, so those are those are evolutionary changes and an evolutionary timescale. Whereas if you're a startup, and again, Peter Thiel um, has a great example: startups go from zero to one. Oh, you're you're talking about the book, right? Yeah, which I recently read. And so you you you're coming from nothing to something, and that's the fundamental difference. It's not adding one to a hundred. It's adding one to nothing. Yeah. So that's perhaps the greatest metaphor of you know what what a startup is doing. Oh, and exactly. Can, yeah, and now you can notice in Europe um, that company we've been pre previously discussing uh, called Engineer.ai. So the biggest Series A route in Europe recently, and they are trying to even this web summit. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that's that's where they announced that at the Web Summit in Portugal, uh, which happened this week. Um, and uh, yes, and what happened here is, you know, you can actually, it's not even outsourcing your coding, you know, job. It's like, it's because it's not, there is no a whole group of people working for you in outsider, in a company outside your structure. It's like an artificial intelligence engine plus people like taking mm. care of your coding yeah. right? experience. So it's, a, so, so it's a code that writes code, basically. It's a code that writes code, yeah, that's perfectly said. So at no, at no cost. Yeah, no, no cost. Yeah. So yeah, so now you can just actually make that process of being speed, agile, and lean, uh, you, you, you just accelerate that with not linear, you know, hockey stick, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's something that can, can even grow, you know, have good ideas into something in, in, a, in a space of one or two nights. And what, it, what that reminded me of, you know, what is the risk if you're, if, you're a, if you're a corporate entity and you have some genius little aspiring people on the inside, you know, kicking their feet to do more and innovate more. 
And we've known that the cost of launching startups with, you know, Amazon, AWS, you don't need a lot of money to, you don't need a lot of technology boxes and hardware to launch a startup. And now if you have a code that writes its own code, then the incremental cost of launching a startup is zero. How do you prevent those people um, and the rising stars um, from leaving? If you, if you want to, have entrepreneurs to innovate you need to have entrepreneurs on the inside so how do you not lose them right right and that's the question how to solve that kind of things we've been talking about like you don't want to lose your best people you don't want to uh, lose your engineers you invested so much money in your IT departments you probably hired the best UX guys coders from the market as a big brand, you wish you would love to be, you know, faster, leaner. Uh, a lot of companies like Kimberly Clark, if you study their strategy in the um, and the uh, annual reports, they have a huge investments in being agile, uh, like buyer um, company as well. If you go to their website, one of the big challenges they state in their strategy is to be more lean uh, company. So. How to solve that, Maciek? What the companies are doing or what they can do? The knowledge is right there. Uh, there are a lot of books, a lot of case studies. Everybody knows startups' uh, valuations, can, uh, valuations can skyrocket. How, what what they, these, these big companies, what they can do about it? What, what they, what they, well, to answer that, we can look at what they're doing, and they're doing a lot of it, and probably uh, all of it, because they have hackathons, they have labs, they have co-working spaces, partnerships, scouting, building, acquisitions, you know, the, the, the whole, all of it. But then um, what I think they're missing and lacking is the whole process and the inability to motivate people um, I think part of that failure comes from the lack of entrepreneurial approach. And what really, uh, you know, startups are great do- in doing is having entrepreneurs inside driving things rather than a regular nine-to-five jobs. So that's also a different in how you motivate people to achieve success. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I can see also, uh, that there is a lot of uh, incubators running but as we were talking at the beginning, at the beginning, at the beginning of our conversation is um, that some of the results you can actually see, that's when you can actually say that something's going on. And um, still uh, we can do, we can see acquisitions like um, this, uh, n- n- uh, this huge retailer here in the United States, Nordstorm, they, they acquired a startup that, actually help people to shop together online, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell us more about it. Yeah, so that's, that's interesting because wherever you want to go and buy something online and you want to share uh, links or photos of that products you want to buy, you usually share that with people that can help you to make a decision. So you use uh, messaging, you use uh, Messenger, you use WhatsApp, you share that links whenever you can. Sometimes you post on Facebook, hey guys, what do you think? Maybe somebody used that product before. Um, uh, and that's what in, a, in an uncoordinated way. Yeah, uncoordinated way, right, exactly. 
And now somebody came up with the idea and Nordstrom grabbed it and now it's part of the company. So what I'm saying is acquisition is one of the way the big companies can do it. But, you know, we both know that acquisition is always like a, a little bit of the, um, the company earthquake, right? Because you acquire a different people, different culture, a different company, different structure. You try to integrate them not too much because you don't want to take the uh, sp entrepreneurial spirit away. But on the other side, you don't want to keep them too far away from your core business because you are the owner, right? So acquisition is one of the things. But then uh, you actually mentioned, we actually mentioned that Sunrise Calendar was um, developed and uh, launched within 100 days. So can companies, do you think, can companies sometimes do that approach that they actually, um, they can uh, undertake that approach that they actually beat their own companies and release them as a separate brands, that kind of thing. I think, it's, I think it's a highly risky proposition for a chief executive, but at the same time, it's highly lucrative. Because if you want, if you really need to beat startups at their own game, you need to be a startup. So right. you need, you need to you need to use the same tools, which is speed, minimum investment, and massive entrepreneurial approach of the people to drive change. And the only way to do it, it seems to be, is to do things really quick and do it on the outside, um, because it's outside of the internal politics, and you can put people to a lot bigger pressure than you would traditionally put them in a nine-to-five job, <clears throat> right? Exactly, exactly. So, so um, the other way it's, uh, companies uh, um, could actually uh, make more money through speed and simplified things, and we know some of them are doing this. Um, I can uh, mention here McCormick here in the States, a huge company. Uh, they um, they uh, supply big supermarkets with spices, different products, they, they are great when you want to have a great ingredients for cooking, for your Thanksgiving. But at the same time, they open their own company, the digital one, which is actually trying to digitalize um, the flavors and help um, uh, restaurants and hotels make better decisions about what kind of menu they, they should have in their restaurants or places. So we can see that except for acquisitions and mergers, there's a lot of, there's, there's a, um, um, uh, there's a proof that big brands are trying to release their own, they're trying to ship actually their own new technologies to the market under separated brands. And that's how they welcome the future of digital, right? That's so clever. Yeah, that's so clever. What this got me thinking was that if you're, if you're, for example, a Unilever Ventures, which has $230 million under the belt and, you know, in an investment fund, and they're buying, a lot of the stuff they're buying recently, Olympic, has been ideas that were developed inside of the, you know, 100 days of three months uh, mm -hmm. roadmap. And so they probably are overpaying. You know, why spend a, a bunch of million, if not 100 million, on buying if you could you know develop within the same time frame three or four or five times as many um ideas yeah exactly that's 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 a great example so 
So uh, trying to summarize a little bit, uh, we can say that startups um, like Sunrise, like Olapic, like, uh, uh, like uh, Astro Email, that's a great example of that you can quickly uh, develop something which is shipped to the extremely uh, competitive market and you still can um, deliver a big value as a startup and that value is uh, more than welcome by users but also by big brands so they try to acquire them and quickly shut them down so the competitors cannot do it so that's one of the um, uh, 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 that's one of the patterns we can see on the market the second thing yeah. is you need to get in front of the customer to actually listen to his problems to solve the problem and exactly. Exactly. very often antithetical to your big business so that's the reason why ideally you want to do it on the outside exactly so that's the one thing the second thing we can see that the answer to corporations that are actually asking they say how we can disrupt the market can be starting their own startups or starting their own experiments by the way we can see that like amazon they do about 1000 experiments yearly um, PNG is doing about 10,000 according to the reports. So, but the more experiments you actually conduct, the better the chances for like finding the next big thing for you. So, example of McCormick is saying us that also this is a great part that if you start your own company or you start your own startup and you can actually grow that on the side. So that's the second answer to disrupt or be disrupted, right? Yeah. So why why can you not have an experiment as a company, as a startup, I, right? Right. Because exactly. startups are so simple at solving just this one thing, one customer pain point, and it's already an experiment. So you could have three, four, or a hundred of those being built on the outside, right? Quickly within the hundred days at a high frequency. Right. And what I also see very interesting and very, I think, uh, a huge challenge is you don't want to lose the best talents in a company, uh, meaning you can easily point uh, people in your big brand company that are very entrepreneurial and they can actually quickly depart, depart your company and start their own startup. So how you answer that challenge. And again, uh, trying to involve them in a separate company, separate startup, which a big brand is firing up, can be an answer to that challenge, which is, which yeah. is, which yeah. is huge, right? We can read about, uh, you know, uh, Amazon in the United States now searching for a city for the second headquarter. And the one of the reasons they try to, one of the criteria they choose the specific cities is like access to the local talents. So you need to protect that talents and especially intrapreneurs, which are entrepreneurs inside the big companies. And it looks like it's a third big reason for the big brands um, to think about acquiring or building their own startups. I think, I think you're totally right and they nailed it. And they, they're thinking about setting up in two places. So imagine the, they doubling the access to doubling the talent pool they can access with that move yeah so okay uh, magic so uh 
just uh, uh, as a finish line, what would be your recommendation or what would be your final thought um, for big brands, you know, people working in the big companies, uh, VPs of innovations, you know, regarding that what we're talking today about? Uh, well, I, yeah, I think, I think the solve is not um, doing more hackathons and disjointed labs and co-working spaces, etc., etc. It's I would what I would do is I would be emulating startups more. So setting up startups on the outside, giving them limited funding and very limited time, and actually asking them to disrupt the key business. Um, that's the only way they can probably make their corporate money go further. So that would be mm -hmm. through uh, speed and simplicity of startups. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what I would say as a final thought is um, great thing which can happen to big companies is like collaborating with best startups, but, as, but also trying to build their own startups. And uh, there is a term called death by thousand cuts, which is saying that it's so hard nowadays to find out who's your competitor because there are so many of them and, and usually they are not so obvious competitors. Like as a big brand, I would say that staying uh, up to date to the market and you know, following the specific companies, specific startups and trying to emulating them or I'm not saying cloning them or copying them, but trying to take out the best of them and bring that to big brands. It's something what can actually be very well executed by large companies. That's I totally agree. I totally agree. The beauty is also in the process, not just the out outcome, but in the simplicity and the speed of the startup exactly. process. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's true. All right, Magic, thank right. you so much. That was a great discussion. Um, thank you, and you have a great day. Yeah, thanks.